0: Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Great America Show. I'm Lou Dobbs, and great to have you with us. You know, it's easy to think at times that this country is in decline. Norfolk Southern has problems and yet another derailment, this one in Alabama. So far, no reports of hazardous chemicals leaking, fortunately, But what a mess the company is in. A CEO who doesn't show his face in East Palestine, Ohio, and apparently doesn't know much about railway maintenance and safety. And yes, Pete Buttigieg is part of the problem. Pete plays big shot while trains are flying off the rails, and he's playing with others' lives. But Biden won't fire him because the Marxist puppet Biden just simply doesn't care. Whoa, this is a stunning development now in that kidnapping of four Americans in Matamoros, Mexico. That's right across the border from Brownsville, Texas. The Gulf Cartel apologized for kidnapping and killing two of the four they kidnapped in broad daylight and turned over to the authorities five members of the Cartel Scorpion Group, saying they acted without orders. This looks like, I think, a one-off response by the Gulf cartel, not the beginning of a new cartel trend on the southern border, which I think everyone understands now the cartels effectively control. And with all the screwball things going on in this country, there has to be a reason. And maybe a group of researchers from the University of Oregon and Northwestern, well, here it is. And I bet many of you suspected this. For the first time in a 100 years, IQ scores have dropped in America. IQ points fell between the years 2006 and 2018. And the biggest declines were in the age group, 18 to 22. Now really, is anybody surprised? It's also sobering that the study period doesn't include the peak years of the China virus pandemic. We can all expect another big decline, folks. Well, derailments, spy balloons, a Biden budget that will run the national debt up to more than $51 trillion in the next 10 years. And Biden's poll numbers are even worse than we knew as Russia's war against Ukraine worsens. And a nationwide strike right now in France. Lots of questions still about election integrity in this country. Destabilization, do you think? Very possibly. Our guests today are Senator Marsha Blackburn and Judicial Watch's president, Tom Fitton. Senator Blackburn sits on the Judiciary Committee, the Finance Committee, Veterans Affairs, and the Committee on Commerce, Science, and Transportation. She is without question one of the hardest-working, most knowledgeable senators we have. And it's great, Senator, to have you with us here. Let's start with the train derailments. Norfolk Southern just had another one. Your thoughts, Senator?
1: Lou, I I think everyone is concerned about this. As we hear about train derailments, it causes you to ask, uh, what is the problem? Are the tracks in disrepair? Are some of these train cars or engines in disrepair? Um, Is there something that is happening? These need to be investigated to figure out exactly what is causing these and then if it's maintenance looking at the history of maintenance and see if these are sudden if these are things that have been on the list for needed repair or um, is this does it have anything to do with bad actors i don't know the answers to all of this i do know that there is a concern because of the number of accidents that we have seen and the short period of time in which we have seen these.
0: And in in many of those cases, uh, and one hopes it's coincidental, uh, hazardous, toxic uh, chemicals uh, aboard the train cars that are derailed. uh, Palestine, East Palestine, Ohio, uh, a terrible accident there. And we're only learning now more and more about just How hazardous the contents of those tanks were. To look at this right now, to see all of these derailments, the number of derailments, I think most people would be astonished at the number each year uh, of these trains that derail. And I'm not clear about who is responsible for those tracks beyond, obviously, the railway, uh, the railroad company. Uh, But uh, there seems to be very little regulation uh, about uh, the rails themselves.
1: And uh, what we are, and this is one of the reasons people are concerned about Secretary Buttigieg and how he spends his time. They want to know that planes are going to fly. They want to know that boats are going to be able to navigate the rivers. They want to know that trains are going to stay on the rails and that our interstates are going to be safe and passable. Now that is for people and the safety of people and the safety of goods. And they are very concerned that there does not seem to be a sense of urgency in finding out what is really going on here and why this has continued to, to happen? And as I said, I don't know the answer to all of these things. I'm not certain anybody has all of the answers at this point, but this deserves our best effort. And right now, the frustration with many people is that we don't seem to have an administration that is putting that best effort forward.
0: You know, Senator, you make a great point. I I, I can't think of any department within uh, this government under the Biden administration that shows much urgency at all about anything, uh, let alone doing something about any of it.
1: (laughs) Well, and see, you know, Lou, here's, here's the thing. People want government to work. People are paying for this government. The money doesn't just fall out of the sky and into the federal coffers. You have American citizens who work, and before they ever get their paycheck, the federal government has taken their share of that paycheck. So they expect government to give them something in return, and right now, every taxpayer is holding $246,000 of U.S. government debt. If you want to say by every man, woman, and child, it is north of $70,000 per individual. And people are saying, hey, wait a minute. We can't get from point A to point B. We have federal agencies that are putting enormous amounts of compliance on my employer. We have the IRS that thinks we're the villain. We are trying to get uh, EPA to work with us on a project for our town and city and deal with wastewater. We have a Department of Transportation that doesn't seem to understand transportation, we have a Secretary of Homeland Security whose border policy is an open border and does not believe in securing the homeland. It is, people are just saying, you can't make this stuff up, they're right.
0: And if we could, we wouldn't. And yet here we are, and here we are with this administration, it's just one thing after another. And when we look at uh, this, this Secretary of Transportation, Buttigieg, uh, is, uh, he is a complete and utter uh, inept and s- seemingly AWOL federal official. He doesn't seem to be presiding over anything. He, he is learning one thing, though, about transportation. He's flown in 18 private aircraft. Uh, I mean, those things cost thousands of dollars an hour. Who is this, who does this guy think he is? He doesn't work, uh, seemingly, and he certainly knows how to fly in style on the taxpayer dime.
1: Well, we certainly think that how he spends his time is something that should be looked at. Right now, as a matter of fact, he is in Nashville at the Clinton Global Health Initiative. And I said, you know, maybe they're going to do a health panel on how to support people that are being subjected to toxic exposure. Maybe that would be a good topic for them. But instead of working on East Palestine, instead of making certain that our rails are safe for passengers and for uh, transit for cargo and goods, maybe he should be focusing on that, trying to figure this out, rather than hobnobbing with the rich and famous in Nashville at the Clinton Global Initiative.
0: Well, it certainly would make sense to me. The man makes no sense, uh, irrespective of whether it's an event like what you're describing, or simply dealing with the, the tragedy in uh, East uh, Palestine, Ohio. I, I have to ask, I, I mean, Buttigieg is running around saying that this could, all this derailment could have been prevented if Trump hadn't carried out certain regulatory policies, et cetera, the Washington post actually fact-checked him and found out that there was absolutely no regulatory change made under president Trump that contributed in any way to that derailment. And yet this, this oath of a a public official is wandering around spewing this kind of uh, partisan nonsense.
1: Well, You know, when you look at uh, WAPO coming in and doing the fact check on that, this shows you how this administration is not serious about things. It's easy to say, well, blame Trump. It's like Obama during his presidency would say, go blame George Bush. And people are, they're not, they don't want the blame game right now. They want a community that is secure. They want to be able to drink the water, breathe the air. They don't want to have their children breaking out in hives and with rashes after they have gotten a bath or a shower. And they're concerned about what they may be exposing their families to by staying there in this area, but they don't have the money to go somewhere else. And
0: and we use the, the word exposure uh, to talk about the exposure brought to us by, of all departments, the Energy Department, talking about the origin of the COVID uh, pandemic. Uh, first of all, I think most people would be astonished to find that the Energy Department is considered at least parts of it, part of the intelligence community. What do you make of the conclusion that Wuhan, indeed, Uh, that virology lab in Wuhan was the source of the pandemic virus.
1: Well, Lou, as you know, I was called a lot of things for even suggesting that uh, it was likely that the virus had come from the lab. This was a lab that was doing coronavirus research. They were doing gain-of-function research. Our diplomatic scientist had many times cited this lab as having concerns for what was being done there. There were concerns and questions about was this a lab where they were working on a biological weapon. There were questions about NIAID, Dr. Fauci's agency, and EcoHealth Alliance and what they were doing with money that was going into this research, so now having this report leaked and the only way we know about this is because the report was leaked. Having it leaked, it raises questions as to what uh, Dr. Fauci did, uh, what was he trying to cover up, because this is the COVID cover-up. The WHO, and what they were doing, you know, and remember, they negotiated the language of the COVID report with the Chinese Communist Party because they didn't want to be, a held, be held to account for this. They did not want um, to have to admit that they were responsible for it. And we know it came from somewhere in China Most likely that Wuhan Lab, because that is where they were doing the research, but they did not want to have to admit that. And you had the WHO, and you had NIAID, and you had social media, and you had big media out here saying, oh, it's not the fault of the Chinese or the Chinese Communist Party, this is something that just evolved. And we know that's not true.
0: Not true. And we also know that Dr. Fauci and his exchanges in particular uh, with Senator Rand Paul uh, lied through his teeth, didn't he?
1: Well, we know that he did not come forward in a straightforward manner. We know that he uh, told lies And because of that, you've got people that lost their life. You've got over a million Americans that lost their lives. You've got many million that had their family lives disrupted because of loss of life or injury or loss of livelihood or because of long COVID or kids that are suffering from myocarditis or others that are suffering from respiratory diseases all because of COVID and China has still not been held to account.
0: And shame on this administration for not doing so. Uh, And no wonder the the report had to be leaked for the American public to uh, to learn anything about it. Because one thing about uh, this administration, uh, it is, uh, despite President Biden's promises, uh, the least transparent administration, I I believe, ever. Uh, We always, as you know, Senator, give our guests the last word on this podcast. And uh, we turn to you now for your concluding thoughts. Thanks for being with us today.
1: I'm delighted to join you always and appreciate that you're bringing attention to this issue of China. What we need to do as we look at this is realize China has not wanted us to know that they were responsible for COVID because they don't want to be held to account by by other nations for what they have done. And we have to look at this as more of what China is doing, whether it is trying to buy U.S. farmland, uh, trying to buy U.S. food processors and disrupt our food supply. We have to look at what they're doing with soft propaganda with the sister city programs in the Confucius Institutes. We have to pay attention to what they are doing in great power competition and spreading their military and debt diplomacy and the bullying they're doing to Taiwan and how they're carrying out a genocide on their own people, the persecution they're carrying out on the Tibetans and the uh, Mongolians and uh, what they are doing to the Hong Kong freedom fighters. China is our adversary. And I think because of a China spy balloon, more people realize that and we need to continue to encourage people to keep their guard up against the Chinese Communist Party.
0: Senator, I, I think you're exactly right. And uh, we admire and respect you for speaking out on all of these issues. Thank you so much uh, for that. And thank you so much for being with us here on The Great America Show. Senator Marsha Blackburn, God bless you. Thank you.
1: You too, thanks Lou.
0: Senator Marsha Blackburn, Great American and turning to election integrity, one of the country's most important watchdog groups is Judicial Watch. It's won a big lawsuit in Los Angeles County, which removed 1.2 million ineligible voters from the rolls as a result of the settlement. Tom Fitton is the president of Judicial Watch, and Tom, thanks for being with us here. Thanks as always for the great work you and Judicial Watch do for the country, and congratulations on that settlement. Uh, that strips more than a million ineligible voters from the rolls sometime in the making. Tell us about it.
2: Thank you, Lou, for the good word. I think we filed the lawsuit back in 2017 or so. And uh, to their credit, the California Secretary of State's office in L.A. County, they settled with us. And as part of the settlement, uh, this is under the National Voter Registration Act, which means take which requires them to take reasonable steps to clean up the rolls. Which they hadn't done in 20 years, by the way. Uh, they said they'll begin the process to remove 1.2 million names, and of course that began in 2019. And the process was they send cards out to people if they haven't voted, and if they don't vote in the next two federal elections, then they're removed. And so that time frame has now taken place. And we finally got the uh, acknowledgement uh, this month, or last month now is February uh, from California officials that they removed last year, 1.2 million names. It's an incredible achievement. And um, not only that, but the process is in place for a regular removal of names as they age out. What happens is if you don't vote, and you're not, allowed to, not around to vote for years on end, you're supposed to have your names removed. And of course, the left doesn't want to do that because my view is they want that pool of names from which to draw fraudulent votes, which is why the law requires that the names be removed because you know, we're not dumb. Uh, so that's a great victory. And this is on top of last year, uh, New York City of all places, they settled with us after they removed 400, I think in 40,000 names, North Carolina, we had sued. We ended the lawsuit after they said, oh, no, no, we removed 430,000 names. So, that's 2Million names in the last year. Thanks to judicial watch litigation. It's uh, it's a good start. Don't you think?
0: I think it's a great start. And uh, that's, uh, as I said, congratulations and thank you for what you're doing. When you talk about the amount of time and money involved in these lawsuits, Tom, I mean, this is an, an undertaking that should be, if if people were doing the decent and correct thing, you would think that these uh, these jurisdictions would want to create a system whereby those, those names were sloughed off uh, after one election cycle, I don't see the magic in two.
2: Yeah, well, you know, that's that's the way the law has been interpreted and applied. Um, and, you know, it's two federal elections. So, you know, just think about it. It's, an, it's, an, it's, as, um, it's in as little as three years, right? Right, right. So, in theory, uh, things will, you know, and once the process begins, you know, it doesn't have to be a perfect system, but they've got to take some reasonable steps. And they didn't even want to do that in California until we intervened. In New York City, they didn't remove names for six years till we intervened. Uh, North Carolina, they had major issues. We still have litigation going on in Pennsylvania. Hopefully, we'll settle that um, and they'll do the right thing. And in Colorado, uh, and. Um, you know, this is a more important issue than it used to be even, because now that we're mailing ballots everywhere, you know, if the lists aren't as clean as they should be, both with people who haven't voted in a while and people who just voted yesterday, but moved away, and they're not tracking that adequately, it shows you the urgency of keeping the rolls clean because dirty election rolls can mean dirty elections. And this is something not only the state should be doing, but this is something the justice department supposed to be enforcing. You know, thankfully, this law allows for Judicial Watch and our clients uh, to sue, uh, but uh, you know, some federal election laws uh, don't allow that, and they have to rely on the Justice Department. The Justice Department has simply refused to enforce this aspect of the law uh, for for decades, practically speaking, Republican and Democrat alike. And this, I'm
0: sure, under the the guise of uh, of civil rights concerns. Rather than uh, the uh, electoral integrity concerns,
2: is that right? So they pretend to be concerned about purging voters, mm-hmm. even though when you look at the data in California, you know people are moving away. I mean, the number of people who haven't mm-hmm. voted who still want to be remain registered was maybe you know twenty six thousand of the one point two million.
0: Amazing, absolutely. So, so,
2: so just to be clear you're not required to vote every two years. You're just supposed to check in and say, yeah, I'm still here. So the, the state can, and the, or the county can just make sure that the your name is still, uh, you know, you're still living where you're supposed to be and where you say you are and you're eligible to vote. You know, the danger is people move away and ballots and other material get sent to where they live where people know that someone's moved away and they start voting in their name. That's why we've got to have this. Rigorous enforcement of the law that the Justice Department refuses to do but judicial watches stepped in to do.
0: Well, and again, good for you and thank goodness. I want to I, I want to turn to that uh, Justice Department uh, and the fact that it has been so uh, apathetic. Uh, in terms of electoral integrity and and absolutely uh, enforcing laws and regulations uh, where appropriate, uh, the the idea that uh, Merrick Garland in his testimony had to be prodded to give even straightforward even remotely straightforward answers uh, he never volunteered one straight away, but I, I think it's really interesting to hear. A, a, a an exchange between Josh Hawley, Senator Hawley, and, and Merrick Garland on uh, on uh, the the issue of pro-life centers and a and charges that the Justice Department brought uh, against uh, and I'll clean this up here in a minute. Uh, but let's go to the sound and then I'd like to get your reaction to it, if we if we may.
3: Do you think, in your opinion, you are the Attorney General of the United States, you are in charge of the Justice Department, and yes, sir, you are responsible? So give me an answer.
4: The FBI does not agree with your description.
3: I'm not asking about the FBI. You are the Attorney General. Give me your answer. Do you think that it was objectively reasonable and they followed your guidelines in sending 20 to 30 armed agents to terrorize these people? Yes or no? The facts I have which
4: are those presented by the FBI are not consistent with your description.
3: So you think it was reasonable.
4: I'm saying the facts are not as you describe.
3: What that the children weren't there, that there wasn't that there weren't long guns there, facts. that there weren't agents? What wasn't? What what do you dispute? What's the factual premise you dispute? FBI Be specific.
4: said they don't agree with your description of Be specific. Um, they don't agree with what? Of Of how many agents, of the agents who were there, and of what their roles were. They don't agree. Do you know the jury
3: in this case acquitted Mr. Houck? I'm sure you're aware. Do you know how long it took him?
4: I, I am aware, and we respect the decision of the jury. Do you know how long it took him? I don't know.
3: One hour. One hour. Philadelphia District Attorney declines to prosecute. The private suit's dismissed. You use an unbelievable show of force. With guns that I just note liberals usually decry... We're supposed to hate long, long guns and assault-style weapons. You're happy to deploy them against Catholics and innocent children. Happy to. And then you haul them into court and a jury acquits him in one hour. I just suggest to you that that is a disgraceful performance by your Justice Department and a disgraceful use of resources.
0: Senator Hawley, having uh, quite an exchange with, uh, with the Attorney General, Tom, and that is our Justice Department right now. Y- your reaction?
2: Well, you know, uh, it could, it's worse than that because the targeting of that pro-life activist and other pro-life activists have to be compared and contrasted with uh, to failure, the failure to follow up on uh, attacks on churches, attacks on uh, pro-life activists directly, by radical pro-abortion extremists that haven't been pursued adequately by the justice department and what garland said yesterday was well it's it was you know when these pro-lifers are caught doing something wrong it's usually during the day and there's video uh, but this other activity that we're talking about the the anti anti uh, pro-life terrorism uh, by the left they, they do that at night so it's harder i mean who are they kidding and, of course, that echoes their uh, the prior position of the Justice Department in suggesting that it was worse, January 6th was worse than the terrorist attacks on federal buildings in uh, the West Coast uh, by Antifa mobs because those attacks took place at night.
0: Yeah, it's, this is just a stunning and stupid remark by a, a party hack. This is Merrick Garland. This man could have been sitting on the Supreme Court. He's nothing more than a two-bit political hack for the Marxist Dems. Uh, He makes it so obvious. Uh, What in the world do you do in a situation where you have an administration like this who is willfully, lawless, and, and absolutely, completely, and utterly ideological
2: in every decision they're making? Yeah, when you have the Justice Department um, prosecute and target people based on their politics, uh, you know that's you know we've had instances of that happen throughout our history. You know it happens now and again, but here you have a massive effort to jail their political opponents, whether it be pro-lifers, anyone who disputed the 2020 election. Uh, you know, uh, uh, well in the case of Trump, anytime he crosses the street. That is the way to end a republic. When you kind of lose control of the Justice Department, or they amore itself, it amores itself from any respect for the rule of law and and a neutral application of the law, as as best as can be. You know, it, I, there's always politics in the Justice Department, uh, but here it's just risen to a uh, uh, something that made. That has kind of eviscerated the public trust in the Justice Department's ability to fairly administer justice.
0: Yeah, I think it would be interesting for the audience to, to hear uh, the uh, Attorney General respond uh, to the point that you made, uh, which is the difference in federal uh, law enforcement based on uh, sunset and sunrise.
4: <laughs> the Face Act applies equally to uh, efforts to um, uh, damage, uh, blockade uh, um, 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 clinics, whether a pregnant uh, uh, resource, uh, whether they are pregnancy resource center uh, or whether they are an abortion center. It applies equally in both cases, and we apply the law equally. Um, I will say you are quite right. There are many more prosecutions with respect uh, to the um, um, blocking of the. Uh, um, of the abortion centers, but that is generally because they are those actions are taken in, uh, with photography at the time um, uh, during the daylight, and uh, seeing the person who did it is uh, quite easy. Um, it, the, those who are attacking the pregnancy resources centers, uh, which is a, a horrid thing to do, are doing this at night. Hard thing to do
0: uh, because they're doing. I, I, I shouldn't laugh, but this the absurdity of this response from what turns out to be a a, a relatively mediocre mind, if I might say, for uh, anyone serving as the Attorney General of the United States.
2: And when you think of the resources they brought to bear investigating the January Sixers, uh, And compare and contrast with. The lack of interest in this terrorism against pregnancy centers that are trying to help women. Who want to keep their babies? Just provide support for them. Uh, that tells you everything you need to know. And I, I, you know, can anyone add anything other than derision? You know, that's self-evident to what Garland's comments were. Uh, and and a lot of these uh, this anti-pro-life uh, activism by Garland's Justice Department isn't like someone blockaded an abortion clinic yesterday, and they show up and arrest them the next day. No, this is as has is pointed out with the uh, the poor gentleman in Philadelphia. This is coming back a long time after the fact and deciding to issue uh, these charges in a way uh, that suggests that it was a political decision, not because they had better pictures.
0: And and the and the reality too is that the rebuke to the Justice Department the idea that they again stormed uh, a a man's home uh, with federal agents uh, all tricked out in tactical gear as well Uh, from the FBI. It's just outrageous what we're watching. This is the Committee on Weaponization in the House of Representatives, Tom. It is so timely and so critically important because uh, people do not want to acknowledge this that our government has been weaponized and directed at us. And by the way, the, we are their enemy as far as every one of these agencies is concerned and we're being treated that way. And we have to understand now that these Marxist Dems are the enemy of the American people who love this country, who believe in its values uh, and who
2: respect this Republic. Your thoughts? Well, there's this radical element on the left that is uh, on the rise within the Democratic Party and institutionally in the various agencies uh, that don't see the rule of law as any prohibition to advancing their agenda. So if they support abortion, that's all that matters. The rules be damned. If uh, they want to undo elections or challenge um, election security measures like voter ID, or they dispute um, people's right to, uh, you know, they disagree with someone's analysis of the 2020 election. Nope, they can't let that be. They have to sue and or prosecute. Uh, So, you know, these are political prosecutions and a misuse of federal law enforcement authority to achieve political ends in a way we've never seen before. And uh, it, it's 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 uh, it's something coming out of the Marxist left, as you point out, and uh, we got to call it as we see it,
0: uh, without question. And Judicial Watch does that uh, in the interest of the American people and the national interest. And again, uh, I just want to salute you for the work you're doing. Uh, in, in addition to that, a federal court hearing scheduled in the lawsuit about a, a meeting between the Department of Justice Attorneys and Associated Press reporters regarding President Trump's one-time campaign manager, Paul Manafort. Tell us the the where
2: we are, the status of that uh, and its importance. Well, you know, that story has been out there for some time and our litigation has been going on for some time, but nothing is simple. With this Justice Department, it's really quite extraordinary. In the middle of the twenty sixteen campaign, AP reporters, it looks like, went to uh, the Justice Department, the anti-Trump Justice Department at the time, and uh, was uh, turned over, I guess, the security code to Manafort's uh, storage locker, and they were obviously trying to get the Justice Department to go after him because they. And they wanted to report that out, so we exposed that collusion. But one of the U.S. attorneys or aides who were present at that inappropriate meeting, you know, magically his documents weren't searched, and now we're concerned they may have been destroyed. So you know, the federal court in our case is interested enough to have a hearing on the matter next week. So this is about you know the politicized targeting and collusion with the media of the Trump campaign by the Justice Department. And this is before Mueller was appointed, I think, as it might've been in 2017. It doesn't matter in the sense that, um, you know, I'd like to have you point to me, uh, point out to me previous instances of the media, for instance, uh, working to go after Joe Biden with the Justice Department, or Hillary Clinton with the Justice Department. Obviously it never took place. And uh, now we have a cover-up of that activity. It looks like, including the destruction of records that we're asking about. Well, and Hillary Clinton, uh, famous for destruction
0: of uh, of documents, uh, oh, of, yeah. of devices, of uh, <laughs> of laptops, you name it, uh, and uh, she su- she succeeded. Uh, whereas anyone even thinking about it from the from the wrong side of the aisle would be in deep and uh, desperate trouble for some time to come. We're watching that very, that very bifurcation uh, uh, in the instance of the treatment of President Trump and President Biden. Uh, it, Vice President Pence is now uh, dragged into this. Uh, meanwhile, there's, there's a, a, a very significant difference between Biden and, and Trump, and that is that President Trump those documents uh, as the president of the united states he had the authority to declassify them uh, joe biden did not in fact reaching back as he said to reporters back to 1974 this is i i, I tired of the people who talk about a two tier justice system in this country one for democrats and one for republicans i really believe that there is uh, only uh, only uh, punishment for the right in this country, Republicans, conservatives, uh, and, and independents. If you're not a yeah. Marxist, dim, you are yeah.
2: in real trouble. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of take the same approach, and you know, it's it's a semantical point, but I think it's worth mentioning. No, there there there's, there isn't a double standard. It's a single standard. They go after Republicans and conservatives while we're trying to protect their allies, Democrats and leftists. It's they're perfectly consistent. It's not a double standard. And, of course, you know, uh, the Washington Post the other day had this news story because the FBI now is trying to get in good with the Republicans now that they're running the house. Uh, They were they were supposedly opposed to the raid on Trump's home. And what was who was pushing it political appointees and deep staters in the Justice Department, some of whom. Had harassed Trump uh, on the Russia hoax and protected Hillary. Sure enough, they won and the FBI raided Trump's home. And as you point out, uh, the double standard or the or I should say the single standard is, of course, Joe Biden is protected from similar law enforcement
4: activity.
0: And he's been protected for years and years and years by not. I I would
2: say it goes back to, you know. If we had an honest, you know, an, an honest media here and and folks who are truly interested in history, does anyone seriously think that Joe Biden just became corrupt when he was Obama's Vice President? Yeah, no, right. Now, he, he, he must have been on the take and he was, like. and my understanding is his reputation in Delaware was for someone who was always on the take uh, for decades. And the fact that he got to the position he has been, where he is now with uh, virtually no Justice Department, um intervention the way they would for any other politician or citizen and zero media interest is is such an indictment of this decrepit city
0: yeah it's an indictment of the of that that swamp of a city washington dc but it is also an indictment of the power structure of this uh, country the the establishment uh, the corporatists, the donor class, the oligarchs, if you will, uh, they control the media. Uh, they, you pick the paper, Washington Post, uh, the uh, New York Times. Pick the pick the network. Uh, if Comcast, uh, it's uh, AT and T. Uh, you you keep going through the the list of it. There has there is a corporate combine that has decided when their ownership of media that they will be marxist they will in point of fact be anti uh, anti american values and certainly are disinterested in uh, fair and equitable treatment they talk about uh, equity they were talking about actually trying to assure outcomes uh, rather than opportunity equal opportunity uh, the corporate uh, the corporate masters uh, of the marketplace right now are having their way, whether it's freedom of information, whether it's freedom of speech, uh, whether it is uh, economic power, they hold sway, do they not?
2: Yeah, or you know, even worse, those who know better, who run these media entities, because these are large corporations, as you point out, uh, they've seated, they've seated owner, you know, the practical control of them and the way they approach public policy issues and quote journalism. Uh, to the radical left, and uh, it used to be, you know, at least you could read these papers and look at these publications, and there was a liberal bias, but you pretty much came away with an understanding of the issue if you were well-versed. Here, you can't read much of anything without being force-fed a one-sided narrative uh, to advance a political agenda that uh, actually leaves you more ignorant reading the story than as if you then as if you hadn't read it or listened to it on television or the radio, I I, you know, I I find myself just stupefied when I
0: when I see Joe Biden talking about he's going to veto the bills passed in the House and the Senate, trying to block his order on p- giving priority to environmental, social, and governance uh, issues rather than maximizing investor return in retirement funds, including 401ks, by the way. And and then I have to, and I I know that he can uh, go ahead and veto that. But what I don't understand in the first place is how in the world, who gave him the authority to make that decision to insinuate ESG and any other contrivance that he would like, into rules concerning retirement plans. It's outrageous, and I don't hear protests from even the Republicans about this. The incipient point was his laying down the rule. This is, to me, an
2: absolute obvious abuse of power by the president again. It is. And uh, what's remarkable is that there was a majority for, you know, overturning his rulemaking in both houses, uh, which shows you how extreme that Biden was, a bipartisan majority. And uh, just so folks and listeners understand this, uh, he's requiring, it sounds to me like, that uh, those charged with investing your retirement funds, you know, and you may think you're investing your funds in you know, indexes and index funds and other sort of general investments. Uh, well, that may no longer be the case in the sense that there's this requirement, uh, certainly on the retirement side, that uh, they take politics into account when doing investing, and that's not something that anyone really wants, especially if you want a return on your investment. And certainly, it's be no one also wants their their retirement funds used to advance. Uh, climate alarmism, uh, Marxism, uh, racialism, racism, Marxist racism, and uh, the other radical left proposals that's behind uh, this so-called ESG agenda, which is essentially equity, which is Marxism, sustainability, which is also um, uh, Marxism uh, uh, gussied up with environmental language, and governance, which covers all of the um, discriminatory uh, racialism they want to uh, impart impart through these investment uh, programs.
0: And and thereby also uh, with his veto, if it stands and it certainly will, uh, it it just simply gives corporate America more power, Wall Street more power uh, through these left wing, you know, proposals for uh, how to invest, uh, all sorts of issues that that arise from turning the the marketplace into uh, ESG environmental, social, and governance uh, preferences that are now dictated by the government of the United States. It's it's madness itself. Uh, I I, I want to turn, if I may, very quickly now to. Uh, to the issue that uh, is uh, before us and that is the house the the 118th congress the house of representatives i think is off to a marvelous start uh, that is the house judiciary the house uh, uh, the house oversight committee as well as the weaponization subcommittee of judiciary they are all off to a terrific start i thought the hearing the other day uh, on the part of the china committee really confronting China on issues, or perhaps more accurately, confronting policymakers in Washington with the realities about China. Uh, This is a healthy, I think, and more energetic effort than I frankly expected some months ago.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to complain about uh, hearings that um, uh, probably would never even happen even under a prior Republican Congress, right? Uh, you know, we've been around the block long enough, you and I, Lou, to know how this, how these issues would have been approached uh, under prior Republican-controlled houses. And uh, so, there's been significant change for the better in terms of their willingness to conduct oversight of these issues. You know, my concern is that it needs to be more and better and quicker, with a goal of figuring out what to do, as opposed to uh, explaining the problem uh, for two years. So. I would encourage them to do more of this, get it done more quickly. Uh, Those, you know, where we know something has happened that's wrong, and we don't need much more uh, analysis or investigation, uh, they should be taking action for accountability. And obviously, investigating a bit further, the other corruption, I mean, the China issue alone, uh, you know, you, you could have a select committee that just is ongoing forever. Right. Uh, with uh, the China influence operations and the corruption tied to China, and the other and the other issues, uh, uh, threats from China that um, uh, are never going to go away, uh, absent extraordinary uh, uh, events that <laughs> would be miraculous. Forget about it, extraordinary. So th- this is a major issue uh, that they can't do enough on, as far as I'm concerned.
0: And I I quite agree with you on all of that. And when you talk about uh, China, we're looking at uh, for 20, I'm going to say 27 years in this country. We have known that the the PLA, the, uh, the intelligence agencies of the CCP have been working across this country with thousands of front country uh, companies uh, stealing our intellectual property. Uh, stealing our technology. When you look at some of the aircraft, some of the ships that, that the, of the PLA Navy or the PLA Air Force, you would think you're looking at a subsidiary of U.S. Uh, uh, aerospace uh, companies. But the, the facts are, we this, this administration is aligned with the CCP. This administration uh, is suspiciously aligned on so many issues, bringing down the, uh, the strategic petroleum reserves to levels not seen in 40 years, to selling crude oil to, to China, which has amongst the largest oil reserves uh, in the world. Uh, and, and while shutting down the Keystone Pipeline uh, and, and accidentally, it seems, uh, some refineries have been taken out of commission by fire and accident, We're looking at an administration that seems just gleeful that uh, there are and there is in prospect uh, even greater shortages and higher prices ahead for fossil fuels. Your thoughts?
2: You know, I think there's a mutual interest that the left in this country has with the Chinese. Obviously, there are some in this country that admire the authoritarianism of the Chinese Communist Party, and they wish they could get away with that here. But what their mutual interest is, is their anti-Americanism. And so steps that are undermining American power are something that the left has been engaged in for decades here. You know, Obama, you know, his chief goal was to knock America down the size vis-a-vis other countries. And so, you know, the left uh, crippling our ability to produce energy domestically and, you know, other steps that... Uh, Weaken our position vis-a-vis China or to be expected. You know, and I was also thinking a little bit about the admissions by the Department of Energy uh, recently as reported in the Wall Street Journal and confirmed. And obviously the FBI has uh, uh, jumped onto that train as well that uh, this was a lab leak, right? And the Chinese obviously have covered that up. People say, you know, what was the benefit of China doing that? Let's say, how could you even think it could have been even on purpose? And my response is i don't know if it was on purpose or not or whether it was even a lab leak but i think it's strong evidence it was all i do know is that china is stronger now than it was before uh, before covid uh, certainly vis-a-vis the united states and um, so don't tell me they didn't get a benefit from it they severely weakened the west through this uh, as a result the benefit whether it was a, you know, something they were planned or it was a happy accident. Or it was, you know, something that, um, uh, they didn't plan and didn't, and it wasn't even something they were trying to push, but. This was a side benefit, uh, they, they've their powers increased as a result of the COVID virus.
0: No question about it and Congressman Andy ogles uh, said here on this uh, on this podcast, uh, he, I, I thought he said it extremely well he believes that covid was straightforwardly covert asymmetrical warfare against the united states uh, we lost more than a million americans uh, we continue to uh, have our economy and society still feeling the disruptions over that uh, two two and a half year period uh, and without any question as you so so say, state so well uh, we are we're worse off and china is better off and more to the point, uh, China did this on purpose and without response or consequence. Uh, if uh, indeed uh, this country is to be a superpower, there should have been, a, 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 a without question, a response to the uh, the decision by Xi Jinping not to warn the entire world, but especially this country, uh, that they had such a deadly, a highly transmissible disease that they had leashed on the world. They did not do that. And the morality of it is very straightforward. Uh, That's that is a murderous act on the part of the Chinese government, the CCP, your thoughts.
2: You know, know, what I think is interesting um, is that we complain about the Biden administration's approach to China. But in many ways, and this shows you the legacy to Trump is more powerful than many would like to admit is that it, it's not as far away from Trump's views on, or approaches to China as you might think. I mean, the Chinese are so bad that even the Biden administration is thinking, oh, well, maybe we should be calling them out on the COVID, you know, the COVID craziness. Uh, so there's this, um, I, I think the story of the last few years, it's slowly but surely, and maybe it's too slowly, there's this kind of a, a, a gathering of thinking on this um, among Democrats and Republicans that the Chinese threat is real and we have to stop with the politics. Uh, you know, we understand that folks are compromised here, uh, but there has to be a reckoning. Now, I, I, I'm not trying to be Pollyannish on this, uh, but boy, um, the fact that the Biden DOE would finally admit uh, that uh, COVID likely came from the lab, um, uh, it's a pleasant surprise, let's put it this way. (laughs) You're exactly
0: right. Uh, Because other agencies within the intelligence community are uh, coming up with conclusions like, uh, well, with low confidence, uh, no confidence at all, uh, uncertain, uh, the CIA position is just absurdly, to me, at least, uh, absurdly ambiguous, uh, and they're yeah. really the ones paid to to do this sort of thing. We still,
2: we still have a CIA. We
0: well, we do, and, and they're working hard against the American people. I'm sure at this very moment. Uh, but this is a this is a, a a time in which we have to really understand. There are so many Americans in our leadership. Uh, let's start with the leadership. The leadership of this country has been for 30 years, some of the slowest witted people uh, in our society. I I don't know how we found them. I don't know entirely how they got there, but irrespective of their ideology, slow witted and slow to learn and slow uh, to, uh, to awaken. And the Republicans have, my Lord, what does it take for them to understand that corporate America has moved on from, from that, uh, that sad party that thought that the Chamber of Commerce was theirs when, in point of fact, they uh, belong to the Chamber of Commerce? Uh, th- this is a, a tectonic shift here that uh, I think this rupture between corporatists and, and uh, Donald Trump's America First Republican Party Is going to pay huge dividends uh, and benefits to the to the American working man and woman, our middle class, uh, and those who truly are are patriots and want to see this republic succeed for their children and the the children of uh, their children and generations to come. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I think the uh, you know the corrupt corporatist class that is. Uh, that has allowed the hijacking of corporate power to achieve anti-American, anti-free market, uh, anti-constitutional goals uh, is, uh, there's gonna be um, uh, a reckoning. They're gonna be inheriting the wind uh, because I think uh, fewer and fewer conservatives are gonna be terribly interested in advancing corporate interests. Where previously, you could say, look, you know, these corporations are the way we employ people. It's how we grow our economy and keep the country strong. Well, that argument gets weak. Where gets weaker when these corporations seem to spend more time. Uh, misusing their dollars to advance political goals as opposed to, um, you know, the old phrase that used to be the business of America is business. Uh, for businessmen, the business of America seems to be politics. And if that's the case, you know, go get their money from somewhere else. Yeah, I, I
0: think that's exactly right. And particularly now, uh, here we are in 2023, and we're watching Ford Motor building plants in uh, in Mexico. Tesla is talking about uh, putting its, uh, up a plant in, in Mexico. The offshoring of American production. Are you kidding me? Uh, The continued outsourcing of American middle class jobs as they bring in six, seven million illegal immigrants in the course of the first two years, the Biden administration. This is madness. And at the same time, arresting people who want to protect uh, life uh, at pregnancy centers rather than uh, than have our our young women going to uh, to abortion clinics. But they have to bring in six million illegal immigrants to replace uh, the the babies uh, that uh, they insist die rather than live.
2: You... Yeah, in many ways it's the end of America. Uh, you know, for for the open borders crowd, uh, it's not just open borders. It's 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 an, the end of us as a sovereign nation, and you know, from their perspective, a plant in another country. Is no different than being a plant in another having a plant in another state. Mm-hmm. Their goal is to erase borders. Uh, erase America as an independent sovereign. And uh, with that goes our constitutional protections and our God given rights. Uh, the Constitution was designed to protect in advance. Uh, so, this is a, a dire threat to our Republic. And it, it, the kind of the corporate. Approach of. They are uh, they they aren't American companies anymore. Uh, they're international companies with no loyalty uh, is uh, to the to our nation is a symptom of that ideology. Again,
0: I am in one hundred percent agreement with you, Tom. We thank you for being here today. It's always great to have you here. Uh, We enjoy your reasoning, your knowledge, uh, your insight, and all that you do for this country, you and Judicial Watch. Tom Fitton, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Lou. Tom Fitton, Judicial Watch, their vigilance critical to the country. Thanks, everybody, for being with us. Have a great weekend, and please join us here Monday when our guest will be former Director of National Intelligence Rick Grinnell, who also served as Ambassador to Germany. Rick Grinnell here Monday. Please join us. Till then, thank you, God bless you, and God bless America.
3: How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Gig Speeds, powered by fiber